Welcome to our Bon Bon podcast series, with Matt and Joanna. We provide critical information that affects your everyday life. Please be advised that the following program is for entertainment purposes only. Welcome to our podcast. In this podcast, you will learn about who are the victims of forced labor, how China was able to gain competitive edge over the United States, that caused multinational corporations to move production facilities to China. Consequently, many industries such as steel, garment, furniture, and pharmaceutical were shut down in the United States. In addition to Chinese cheap labor costs, tax incentives, and little environmental regulations, the Chinese government has been using the currency manipulation, forced labor, and the export subsidy tactics to lower the price of exports. The podcast will go over in details about who are the victims of forced labor and what did the rest of the world have to say about it. Many corporations in the United States cannot possibly compete with China because it would cost a fraction to either buy the products from China or manufacture them there. For more than two decades, China has been using the currency manipulation and government subsidies as tactics to gain export competitive advantage. Let's talk about the currency manipulation. China manipulates its currency by devaluating the Chinese yuan by 25% to 40% against the US dollar. This makes Chinese exports a lot cheaper. China does not have a floating exchange rate that is determined by market forces, as is the case with most advanced economies. Instead, it fixes its currency, the yuan, to the US dollar. In fact, China has been keeping the yuan artificially low to make its exports more competitive in the global marketplace. Wow, I believe most people just think that cheap labor cost in China has caused corporations to move factories there, or to some extent, environmental regulations are minimum. From what I read, Environmental cleanup can be very expensive. If you do business in United States you have to follow the law there, which is known to be pretty strict, and that adds up to the cost of doing business. It is so true. A weaker yuan makes it cheaper for U.S. buyers to purchase Chinese goods. The United States identified Beijing as a currency manipulator and requested the International Monetary Fund to investigate the issue. The Chinese government has continued letting the yuan weaken to help exporters offset higher tariffs from the United States. This is what the Wall Street Journal said in September 2020. China's abrupt devaluation of the yuan this week is an acknowledgement from Beijing that its domestic economy needs help a vulnerability that Chinese policymakers have played down during the escalating trade conflict with the U.S. The yuan slipped to below 7 per U.S. dollar, put the Chinese currency at its weakest point since 2008, and aligned it closer to economic trends that have pushed growth near quarter-century lows. What this really means, as we have discussed earlier, by making the yuan artificially low against the US dollars. Chinese exports to the United States would be a lot cheaper. Matthew, China also uses forced labor, which costs very little, or nothing, 
That is true. We will have to discuss this topic later. Let's go over the Chinese government subsidy tactic quickly. In later podcasts, we will discuss more in details for some specific industries. China provides discount services and cash bonuses tied to export performance, especially to agriculture, footwear, seafood, specialty metal, textiles, and medical product sectors. In addition to the Chinese government illegally subsidizing the export goods to America, China also uses forced labor from prisoners who work for low wages or free of charge. Therefore, manufacturers in America cannot possibly compete with made-in-China goods. Chinese subsidy has become a big issue. The European Union has strict laws to stop its member states from distorting the market through state subsidies. However, it does not have legislation that addresses the problem, especially when outside countries are doing the same. Chinese government subsidies to foreign companies operating in Europe enable them to undercut their European rivals in public procurement. But things are changing. Recently, the European Union ruled that two Egyptian exporters had illegally used subsidies from the Chinese government to undercut European glass fiber fabrics producers. The Chinese government bought several European companies. I am not surprised that it subsidizes one of its companies. I just wonder, how did China get away with it for so long? Up until recently, some countries also concurred with the European Union. Yes, you are correct, Joanna. In 2020, representatives of the European Union, the United States, and Japan. Announced their agreement to strengthen existing rules on industrial subsidies and condemned forced technology transfer practices in China. They agreed that the current list of subsidies prohibited under the World Trade Organization's rules is insufficient to tackle market and trade distortion. They concluded that new types of unconditionally prohibited subsidies have to be added to the World Trade Organization Agreement on Subsidies and Countervailing Measures. In our previous podcast, we mentioned that China got admitted to the World Trade Organization in 2001. The World Trade Organization sets trading rules for its members to follow. Earlier, we mentioned that China uses forced labor to lower the cost of exports for competitive advantage. Let's go over this hot topic. When did forced labor program begin in China? Who is the target? And what is the international community's reaction to China forced labor? Matthew, before jumping to the forced labor topic, let's give a brief history of the Muslims in China. What is an autonomous region? It is an area that has its own local government and is directly below the federal government. In addition, autonomous regions were created for the country's ethnic minority groups. Xinjiang is currently designated an autonomous region within China, where the Uyghurs live. Why does China have a large population of Muslims? During the Tang Dynasty, starting year 650, many Muslims went to China to trade, 
and eventually dominated the import and export industry. Then, these Muslims settled in China and integrated into Chinese society. They even changed their last names to Chinese names. Those who married Han Chinese women simply took the last name of the wife. They maintained Islamic dress and dietary rules, but began speaking the local Chinese dialect. There are now 22 to 23 million Muslims in China. The Wei and the Uyghurs make up the largest ethnic groups. The Uyghurs are Turkic descendants, a Muslim minority group of 12 million people, who live mostly in the Xinjiang province in northwestern China. Joanna, it is interesting to know that in the early part of the 20th century, Uyghurs briefly declared independence. However, the region was brought under the complete control of the Chinese Communist Party in 1949. During the Cultural Revolution, the Chinese government attempted to dilute the Muslim population in Xinjiang, by settling masses of Han Chinese there, and replacing Muslim leaders. Xinjiang is currently designated an autonomous region within China, but in reality, the province has little autonomy. It is interesting to know that the Uyghurs actually declared independence. I heard that the other Muslim group, the Wei, is more integrated into the Chinese society. Yes, indeed. The Wei descended from Arab and Persian traders, who settled more than a millennium ago. They are scattered all over China, and speak mostly Chinese, while maintaining some Arabic and Persian phrases. After centuries of intermarriage, they have become ethnically integrated with the Han Chinese. We have gone over the history of the two largest Muslim communities in China, the Uyghurs, and the Wei. This leads us to the next topic. Why the Chinese government has been trying to erase their culture and religion now, after more than a thousand years of them living in China. Let's go over the persecution of the Uyghurs. In 2017, President Xi Jinping issued a directive that religions in China must be the traditional Chinese religion. This order led to a crackdown on religious practices that particularly affected the Uyghurs. The government has been cracking down on Islam and destroyed mosques built with domes and others with Arabic architectural characteristics. From Beijing to Ningxia, officials have banned the public use of Arabic script. The goal is to eradicate Islam, and its tradition and belief system. In the state's view, the spread of Islamic customs dangerously disrupts social and political conformity. China fears that Saudi Arabia, in particular, will poison Chinese Islam with Wahhabism, an Islamic doctrine and religious movement often linked with extremism. China is facing global political criticism over its alleged persecution of the Uyghurs. Many prominent members of the ethnic minority have been imprisoned or have sought asylum abroad, after being accused of terrorism. Chinese government had turned the Uyghur Autonomous Region into something that resembles a massive prison camp. Human rights charities, including Amnesty International, and Human Rights Watch, have long accused China of mass imprisonment and torture. Evidence showed that many people were being detained for simply expressing their faith, by praying or wearing a veil, 
or for having overseas connections to places like Turkey. So, now you know the Muslims, particularly, the Uyghurs are victims of forced labor. We got all the information from reputable sources including The Guardian, The New York Times, and BBC News. Yes, according to these news sources. Many are forced to work in factories, and subjected to constant digital surveillance. A pervasive network of surveillance covers Xinjiang, including the police, checkpoints, and cameras, that scan everything from vehicle number plates to individual faces. Chinese police routinely plug pedestrian smartphones into a device that scan their files and apps. Targeted individuals have been required to submit voice and face scans in addition to DNA samples. Local officials block foreign reporters from moving freely in the region, particularly near the prison camps. The repression of Muslims in the western region of Xinjiang has spread to other parts of China, targeting other Muslims who have been better integrated into Chinese society. Let's talk about forced labor camps that have caused friction in the international business community. About forced labor camps. In April 2018, the Xinjiang government began rolling out a plan to attract textile and garment companies. Local governments would receive funds to build production sites for them, near the prison camps. Companies would receive a subsidy of $260 to train an inmate as well as other incentives. State-sponsored forced labor programs often set a quota of working inmates, that local officials must meet. Furthermore, satellite imagery suggests that, growing numbers of Muslim detainees are being sent to new factories production lines built inside some re-education camps. Commercial registration records also show, at least a few companies, have addresses inside the camps. They include a printing factory, a noodle factory, a bedding manufacturer, and clothing and textile manufacturers. Inmates have no choice, but to accept jobs for very little pay, or no salary, and must endure tough conditions at these factories. The program aims, to transform Uyghurs, Kazakhs, and other ethnic minorities, into a disciplined, Chinese-speaking industrial workforce loyal to the Communist Party and factory bosses. As many as 1.5 million Uyghurs and other Muslim minorities have been sent to re-education and forced labor camps. Some other sources estimated the number to be 3 million. What does the international community think about forced labor from China? In July 2020, more than 190 organizations from 36 countries, issued a call to action to end, all sourcing from the Xinjiang region of China, well known for forced labor. Roughly, one in five cotton garments sold globally, contains cotton or yarn from Xinjiang. Recent investigations by the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and others have found evidence that connects China's forced detention of Turkic-speaking Uyghurs to the supply chains of many of the world's best-known fashion retailers. According to another report by BBC News, between 2017 and 2019, more than 80,000 Uyghurs were transferred out of western Xinjiang Autonomous Region, 
to work in factories across China. These factories claim to be part of the supply chain for 83 well-known global brands. Joanna, I was thinking, if the Chinese government transfers the Uyghurs out of Xinjiang, it can get away with my next statement, regarding the United States boycotting the Chinese forced labor in Xinjiang. In 2020, the U.S. Congress introduced Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act Bill, to ensure the goods made with forced labor in the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region, of the People's Republic of China, do not enter the United States market. Any goods from Xinjiang would be presumed to have been made using forced labor, unless companies could provide, clear and convincing evidence, that they did not use forced labor. That is interesting to know. However, many Western fashion businesses have remained quiet, fearful of losing the China market, or access to a critical manufacturing hub in their supply chains. In addition, they cannot do due diligence to determine whether there is forced labor involved. Chinese officials tightly control Xinjiang. In March 2021, CNN quoted, In a unified statement, the United States, the European Union, the United Kingdom, Australia, Canada, and New Zealand, announced sanctions against Chinese officials, for serious human rights abuses against Uyghurs. The United States and allies, also issued condemnations to isolate, and pressure China. The joint statement said, The evidence, including from the Chinese government's own documents, satellite imagery, and eyewitness testimony, is overwhelming. China's extensive program of repression includes, severe restrictions on religious freedoms, the use of forced labor, mass detention in internment camps, forced sterilizations, and the concerted destruction of Uyghur heritage. Wow, I am quite shocked by the forced sterilization statement you just said. Matthew, being a woman, I cannot imagine the government would sterilize me, so that I cannot have children. I guess the purpose is to eradicate the Uyghurs. Joanna, I also read that, Han Chinese men are even paid a generous bonus for marrying ethnic minority women, including Uyghurs, and Mongols. I think this one is more positive than the forced sterilization. Joanna, perhaps this is a good idea to mention that, we found a report from the United States, Office to Monitor, and Combat Trafficking in Person. The report is dated June 2021. So, this is fairly recent. Let's read it out loud. It confirmed what we just said and revealed even more shocking information. Over the last four years, the People's Republic of China has carried out a mass detention and political indoctrination campaign against Uyghurs. These are predominantly Muslim and members of other ethnic and religious minority groups in Xinjiang. Xinjiang is Uyghur autonomous region in western China. The courageous voices of survivors and international advocacy groups, have thoroughly documented that China has been using surveillance technologies, and made up administrative, and criminal charges, to abduct, and detain more than 1 million Muslims. These Muslims are held in 1,200 state-run internment camps throughout Xinjiang. China intends to erase ethnic, and religious identities, under the pretext of vocational training. 
Forced labor is a central tactic used for this repression. In Xinjiang, the government is the trafficker. Authorities use threats of physical violence, forcible drug intake, physical and sexual abuse, and torture to force detainees to work in adjacent or off-site factories or work sites. They work in factories producing garments, footwear, carpets, yarn, food products, holiday decorations, building materials, materials for solar power equipment, and other renewable energy components. Consumer electronics, bedding, hair products, cleaning supplies, personal protective equipment, face masks, chemicals, pharmaceuticals, and other goods. And these goods are finding their way into businesses and homes around the world. International outcry has grown since these abuses were first made public. China initially denied all allegations, dismissing them as international interference in its domestic affairs. Confronted, however, with eyewitness testimony, and thoroughly researched reporting from multiple sources, China eventually admitted the existence of the camps. Chinese officials then defended the facilities as necessary measures to counter terrorism, while also claiming that many of them had already been closed. In reality, they had grown in number, and in size, with hundreds of thousands of victims graduating, and being sent to larger and more technologically advanced prisons, under false terrorism-related charges. The government also began transferring many thousands of camp detainees elsewhere, in Xinjiang, and to other provinces throughout the country, under the guise of a poverty alleviation program, in which companies, and local governments received subsidies for forcing them to labor in manufacturing. With so many disappeared into and abused within this system, entire communities in Xinjiang have become ghost towns. Those who have managed to avoid detention are still at risk of state-sponsored forced labor and other abuses. The Chinese government's Xinjiang Production and Construction Corps, Bingtuan, forces the Muslims to work in hazardous mining, construction, manufacturing, and food processing. Many thousands of Uyghur adults and children are sent to cotton harvesting. These products and raw materials are injected into international supply chains, spreading the China's forced labor complicity around the globe. In conclusion, governments should protect and serve their citizens, not terrorize and subjugate them for profit. Around the world, governments, companies, and consumers committed to eliminating human trafficking from global supply chains can all play a role in demanding an end to the use of forced labor in Xinjiang and beyond. Joanna, everything we buy nowadays is from China. Xinjiang is known for cotton production, but according to this report, forced labor is also found in many industries, from solar panels to food processing and mining. I am not surprised that the two of us have bought Chinese products made by forced labor. Matt, I am glad that the international community has taken tough sanction to hold China accountable for its actions. For example, Department of Homeland Security's Customs and Border Protection has issued 10 withhold release orders against goods and companies connected to forced labor in Xinjiang. To block their entry into the United States. Likewise, many companies have taken a stand against the use of forced labor in China, 
by cutting ties with suppliers in Xinjiang or those connected to China campaign of repression. Joanna, we can just hope so, but I doubt it if our government can eliminate goods made from forced labor. It can never handle the millions of containers heading to the United States. In later podcast, we will go over how much our government inspects food coming from overseas. It will make your stomach turn upside down. This is the end of our podcast. The contents of this podcast are from China, Good, Bad, and Ugly, a book published by Aban Ban LLC. We will cover China's toxic food and polluted air in our next podcast. Thank you for listening. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, share, and give us a five-star review. For further details of our publications, please visit our website at abonbon.com. You can also buy us coffee by clicking on the support the show link at the end of the podcast descriptions. Thank you. Thank you.